Hey folks, Frank here. It's our final throwback episode for the month of January, and in it we're talking about the final season of A Series of Unfortunate Events on Netflix. It's, an epi- it's a series that John and I both really enjoyed. In this final throwback episode of the trilogy that makes up the three episodes on A Series of Unfortunate Events, this episode was episode 92 during the original podcast run, and it was released on February 28th of 2019. Uh, by this point uh, in our podcasting journey from the original podcast, we were very deep in the bizarre meta plot that we had with our skits. So we've I've removed them because they just don't make sense. They're very out of context. There's a couple of funny jokes, but it's better. They're not there. Um, I will say this. The, this revisit to the, uh, the these podcasts that we, we covered this series on, uh, has kind of made me want to go back and rewatch it. And I think that if you haven't seen it, you should give it a watch as well, because it's a pretty fantastic series. Uh, I'm not sure how faithful it is to the book, which is something we talk about regularly during each of these episodes. But uh, it's fun, and I think even if you like the book, I think you'll overall like the series. It's one of Netflix's better series, so it's definitely worth watching. So without further ado, here's the episode. All right, and welcome to another episode of Relevant to hey. Interest. I'm Frank, and with me uh, again, rejoining me uh, is John. Say hi. Hey, everybody. Hi. John's saying hi. That's awesome. Uh, and then for uh, <laughs> and for folks, I love how you're talking as if they can't hear me. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, hi, everybody. And you're like, I, I can hear almost as if in the distance. <laughs> the voice of my dear friends from beyond the t- beyond the stars. stars, stars. For, uh, for those. <laughs> I'm right here, asshole. This week we're talking about. Uh, brain fart. <laughs> the series of unfortunate events. Season three. <laughs> Season three. Series of unfortunate events. Season the final, <laughs> the most finalist of seasons. It is very fine. Well, it's very much final. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, we're going to give a kind of a brief touch briefly on the plot and uh, talk about some of the performances and stuff and, and the characters. We'll jump into tone and themes and uh, dive into some theories about what we think happens afterwards and conclude with our final thoughts. Do you have anything you want to add before we, we, we yeah. d- dive in? Um. No. Fantastic. I just wanted to waste some airtime. Well, I just edited it out because. I know, I know. I have the power of editing. Blah 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 blah. And I, John, am nothing but a whiny bitch. <laughs> it's true. I'm just gonna leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know. Bad edit, John, is just kind of a kind of a tool. Yeah, he is. That's why we hate him. Um, so we hey, fuck you too, Frank. <laughs> we uh, depending on what the, the 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 subject is, if it's a movie or if it's a relatively straightforward 
series uh, season. We will dive into the the plot pretty deep. This plot is one the, yeah, super the, convoluted. Well, this, this plot is it's super convoluted, and also to a certain extent, a, an amount of the joy of this piece is the convolutions and the mystery and the and the mysteries. Yeah. Um, you know, because like, like I mean, th- these are ones where you could like you. We could tell you how it ended right now. Yes, and you could still watch it, and and that would be meaningless. Like it would be meaningless just because of how much happens in this show. Yeah, there is a considerable bit of stuff. Yeah, but I think the 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 biggest the the biggest points that in this one are is the secret society, the VFD. There is a schism in the VFD. Yes. Between those that want to put out figurative fires and those that want to start literal fires. <laughs> and that that's the best. So v, VFD stands for should we do you wanna yeah. do you wanna spoil that? I mean normally we have no compunctions about spoilers. Well VFD spo- well VFD is actually pointed out in the second in in season two. Yes. So v, VFD Oh, st- and by the way, for those who are new to this podcast, we are not just like it's not just like the oh we do spoilers like we are I am actively pro spoiler and Frank can't stop me from being actively pro spoiler and so it's just sort of accepted it as part of his life now. Well, I'm and I'm not anti spoiler necessarily though there are certain things where I don't feel the need to spoil. Yeah, and there there are there are a few times for me, a few times for me where where. I, I get that, but fundamentally, for me, if a story can be spoiled, I and and what I mean by that is made unwatchable or uh, unwatchable or unentertaining through foreknowledge of plot details, then it is not good storytelling. Yeah. John, then somebody dumb fucked up. John feels pretty strongly about this too. Really does. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I have I have ranted and raved. Generally, about once a year, I go. I just go off on this. So, so the last season ended with the two of the older, oldest Baudelaire's basically getting ready to plummet off the cliff. Now they escape. They hook back up with uh, Carmelita Spatz, who is uh, played by a very good young actress. Yeah, named Kitana Turnbull. You, but you can't be hated that deeply and not be a solid, a solid actor. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I didn't like her. I, <laughs> I didn't like the character. Like I despise the character in the in the second season when she shows up, and somehow I hated her even more this season. <laughs> well, you get the, you get the, there reaches a point where the only person that loves her is Esme. And the only reason Esme loves her is that it's pretty obvious that she's exactly like Esme was as a child. Pretty much, yeah. Now, Count Olaf, who, for those who didn't know, he's trying to get the orphans' fortunes because their parents died in a fire. He pray. And I think he has some serious OCD issues. Like, I think he's got some... Because he's, he's given a lot of opportunities to, like, get other fortunes or... You know, like, or do other things, yeah. or, you know, like, get, get reach, achieve other goals, and he just sort of fixates on this one 
Like I, I think I think he needs some meds. Honestly. Well, I think that's uh, it's, it's fairly obvious. Um, he has now he assumes that the 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 oldest two are dead. He's keeping the youngest one hostage, and his basically turning her into a little slave. He's a servant. Yeah, a little slave, yeah, little, little servant. servant. Um, she's forced to cook for him. Uh, the rest of his troop does the rest of his chores. The only one who's super sympathetic towards her is the hook-handed man. Um, yes. Hooky. Hooky, as he's... As he hates to be called <laughs> and is constantly called. Yes, he's played by Suman Ali. Uh, Usman Ali. Um, Who is another one that's a really great... That's a really great... He's a really great actor, I think. He's fun. I, I love I mean, him in this. So well, because he he puts in a very fun he puts a fun comedic performance in, but on top of a fun comedic performance, there are layers of subtlety to the way that he does that character. Yeah, that are honestly just just amazing. That are just fantastic. Uh, the kids also discover that one of the Quagmire triplets, uh, Quigley, uh, that was thought to be dead, has actually survived. Um, with him, with his help, yes. they find out that there's going to be a meeting of the VFD uh, volunteer fire department this coming Thursday at the last safe, the last place. safe place. And so they're off to find out where the, they kind of figure out where it's probably at. And they're they escape mm. the mountain, and then he gets separated from him. Uh, Count yeah. Olaf, it is revealed, has some mentors that were part of the VFD. Uh, the man with no beard. Some very well-known mentors, yeah. The man with a beard but no hair, and the woman with no hair. Sorry, the man with no hair but with a beard. With hair but no beard. Yeah, with hair but no beard. Yeah. Or as I call them, beard and hair, because I, yeah. I can't keep them straight otherwise. They're also occasionally mentioned, like, in writing, in writing in the series. Uh, they're not, they're, it's never said, but they're occasionally mentioned just as the arsonists. The arsonists. Because um, because those t- there's a couple of times where you see it written down as they're as like in notes and stuff they're they're talking about the arsonists. Yes, yeah, so they're they're um, actually the ones going around setting fires this entire time. Um, yeah. Well, and and they also take it from like a, they they have this whole philosophical idea about fighting fire with fl- about fighting fire with fire, and then like it seemed to be that's kind of where they started and then they just sort of went wholesale into the you know what let's just let's just burn shit and make money yeah uh, and a lot of the stuff that they're burning uh has to do with other vfd members that they're uh diametrically opposed to uh and the schism yeah. hence why the quagmire's house burned down the baudelaire's house burned down the uh other family's house burns down um yeah. They have a plan, though, and as John says, one of their, their, uh, they like to burn shit down to make money. They're going to kidnap the group of snow troops that Carmelita's with that are coming up to the top of the mountain to celebrate false spring. Burn all their and, parents. And they're all like house down. All the exceptionally wealthy ones, like yes. they're all the really wealthy ones from the city. Yeah. Well, I got the impression that all of them were wealthy. Yeah, that's that, that's that, that's what I meant. Is that all of those went well? Particular, like this particular troop, they were all stupid wealthy. Yeah. So they're going to kidnap them and then burn their their parents' houses down with their parents in it and make them all orphans. 
and then use them to claim the money when uh, they come of age. Now, clearly, in this world that exists here, that Daniel Hand Handler has created, uh, there are apparently some huge gaping holes in the way law the laws <laughs> as far as inheritance rights and uh, yeah. <laughs> There's there's some serious well, issues. I think, <laughs> like the, the plan, like uh, Hair and Beard's plan, as I understand it, was not it was not just to like kill them off and make them orphans and 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 take their money, but to basically recruit all of them into their part of the schism and then have them donate their money into and then have all their fortunes sort of transferred in. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was that was that was the the general plan there. Unfortunately, they all end up with Count Olaf, who is probably not the the person that they should keep the or who should be in charge of the orphans because he just turns them all into slaves. Uh, yeah, yeah. They big part of Pretty this. Quickly. The big part of this uh, series is looking for the sugar bowl. Uh, Esme's after the sugar bowl, and both parts of the schism are after the sugar bowl. It's revealed the very first episode, like almost immediately, that Kit Snicket, who is Lemony Snicket and Jock Snicket's sister, and he's also very pregnant, has the sugar bowl. Now, she loses it almost immediately, and it gets washed out to yeah. sea. And uh, <clears throat> after the kids in Quigley Quagmire get separated, they get basically, <laughs> they end up on a submarine with... Uh, yeah, like just out in the submarine. I think, I think this this is one where we're. I don't think we need to go into the deep details on this on these episodes. On this well, episode. I, I was I was just gonna go because yeah the the big the big theme here is the fungus. They know where they know where the yes, they know where the sugar bowl the, is. They figured out where it is, yeah. and it's uh, at this in this grotto that's underneath this laboratory where they grew uh, this fungus. Yeah, this this very very horrible, the most deadly fungus in the entire world. Yeah, med medusoid mycelium. Yes, and the medusoid mycelium it has apparently been around and been a like major problem for a while. Yeah, they they don't they don't reveal they don't reveal a lot of it until kind of well. No, there's there's a there's a there's one part in there that they they actually reveal in in those episodes that's that's fairly important. Yeah. So when you get the hook hand guy who I can't remember his ex, the, the the his character's actual name, um, uh. but he <laughs> explains that you know like he's the one who has that line about there are no good guys or bad guys. There's just there's just people. Yeah. Um, or or whatever the line is. Yeah. But he makes that line where where, where he said that you know like I went and. I was the one that burned down this lab, but he also makes it clear that it was because they were doing experiments on the Medu like the the VFD, like the good guys side of the VFD. Yeah, were doing experiments on the medusoid mycelium, basically to weaponize it. Like they were basically turning it into a bioweapon. Yeah, and he and, and basically he, you know, he. He decided to do the right thing, and the right thing at that point wasn't to 
put out the fire, but to burn the fucking place to the ground. Yeah. And because he started the fire, he couldn't go back. He ends up he ends up on the wrong side of he ends up on the wrong side of the schism, but because he also destroyed all that because he also destroyed all that research that they wanted that the the bad guys wanted to uh bad guys wanted to, to acquire steel, he wasn't really in good with them, and so the only person that would take him in was is Count Olaf. Yep. Or was Count Olaf, and so that's why he's loyal to, to Olaf. Yeah, that's why he's one of Olaf's henchmen. Now, the rest of the only one that stays. And he's, yeah, he's the only one say that. Stayed. The rest of the henchmen uh, yeah. split shortly after it's revealed what the what Beard and Hair want to do with the uh, the rich kids. Now, this is an interesting well, note. And, 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 more, this, and more specifically, and more specifically, it's also when those two demanded that they needed to kill Sonny Baudelaire. Like, they needed to kill the baby. Yeah. Here, here's the deal. At that point in the story, the only one left alive is the hook-handed man in the books. Oh, okay. Because uh, the um, henchman of ambiguous gender dies in the hospital. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure the twins die at the... Uh... Not this is me reading spoilers of the books. I haven't actually read the books, so I don't know what other differences yeah. there are. I just... These are, these are differences that I... I've been made aware of. So by the, this point in the story, the only one left is Esme uh, Carmelita, who has just joined them in the hook handed man. So that's why uh, I think that's yeah. why he didn't want to kill off the henchmen because they're quite amusing, but at the same time uh, they're fun to have around, but at the same time they needed to at exit. At that point, like having them there yeah, and having them there would complicate the actual plot. Yeah, and and I like how they they got around that by basically having Lemony Snicket show up as the narrator, and he's like, "There's you know, there's a certain number of things that happened in this case that I simply do not know, and there's no way to know." Yeah, and they said like, "What happened to the what happened to the the rest of the henchmen? I don't know." Yeah, and so that is actually was actually pretty clever. I think it's a pretty clever way. Um, but during this point with the uh, with the fungus, uh, Sonny gets infected, and that's when they discover that the the cure for infection is horseradish, or something that's very close to horseradish, or like a wasabi. Culinary, or a culinary. Uh, so basic, basically, it's like anything that anything that's a, a, a radish, any any of that that particular family of radishes. Yeah, because they use they use wasabi, and it's just you know. I mean, if you want to get scientific about it, it says this particular family of assholes all do this thing. Yeah, <laughs> that could be actually that's a fairly apt description of the series. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting the Baudelaire's are assholes, but you know, <laughs> um, eh, they have their moments. They do. They end up, uh, they end up getting away from from Olaf, who's first of all his his submarine that he's chasing him in. Fantastic! It's a giant octopus. Oh, it's got like tentacles and stuff. So cool. I guess I think actually I think it might be kind of a throwback to uh, and that's the other thing. If you guys haven't if you haven't watched the series yet, it's in your in your well read. And I am not well read. Uh, I know some of the books, but yeah. there's just oh yeah, but, so many throwbacks yeah, that, to literature. Well, uh, and, and and like there are so many throwbacks. So like so many references to important pieces of literary work so many uh like word like like really really high clever word word play and word puns um and 
for me, one of the biggest things is that like the foreshadowing. Yeah, which in this show, we, which we'll dive into as we as we touch on the plot and go into more yeah. detail uh, here in a little bit. But yeah, there's a there's a ton of foreshadowing, and John just we watched the entire series, so he's he was able to pick out. Like, yeah, oh my uh, god, we watched oh the whole god. thing, and so it was like it, it, and it's a lot more clear. This is this is definitely one that is worth a second viewing because yeah. there's so much, there's so much that is unlocked once you know what the how the plot ends. Yeah. Like it's a whole different game. Yeah. Definitely uh one to rewatch. So they end up at the uh Hotel du du Denouement, uh which uh, is a term for in drama for bringing together the plot elements. <laughs> so uh <laughs> which what a coincidence <laughs> that, that that they they would uh they would have this be the uh, second to last, the penultimate portion of the uh, the series. Uh, they're brought there by Kit Snicket. She, she manages to to uh, get off the mountain and uh, after running into Mister Poe, and she they find out where the sugar bowl. She also finds out where the sugar bowl is and actually sends Quigley Quagmire, who's been indo- inducted into the VFD to go get it. So the Sugar Bowl's safe at that point. But she takes the kids to the Hotel Dunumah and points out that it's run by twins who uh, one is on the good side of the schism and one's on the quote-unquote bad side of the schism. And they just have to kind of figure out who's who when they're talking to them. Um, And then she takes off to not be seen, well, not be seen again for a while. Also, uh, it was revealed that Lemony Snicket, a younger version of him, uh, because this is all in his past as he's narrating the story, is actually working at the hotel, laying low because he had faked his own death. Uh, I I don't feel like he faked his own death and was on the run. Well, he faked his own death and was on the run for reasons. Well, I was just like, yeah, he's 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 on the run. Yeah. Yeah. So he. the kids discover there's a third denouement. There's their triplets. He reveals to them that there's the uh, hotel denouement has the library for VFD underneath the fountain, and he's basically inducting them in. Like he's going to basically have them take over the library uh, because him and Kit are going to get yeah, married and, and run away and run away, and uh, then they're confronted by Olaf. The kids are able to talk him down, but right at the moment they're about to take the harpoon gun away, they're distracted by Mr. Poe, who I kind of I kind of despise Mr. Poe at the end of this series. I really, really do. Yeah, I really, really do. K. Todd Friedman's a fantastic actor, uh, but I and but the character I just oh I just uh, there's a few characters I despise. Uh, Carly, Car- Carmelita Spatz is one of them, and Mister Poe's another one. Um, but the harpoon drops and it hits Dewey Denuma. The day and the Denuma brothers are all are played by Max Greenfield, and it kills him. So the next day, the kids are put on trial because <laughs> and because. <laughs> 
And because justice is blind, everyone has to go to the courtroom blindfolded. Yes. So everybody who's going to go to the trial is wandering the hallways of the hotel blindfolded, (laughs) trying to feel their way to the elevator. And because it's the high court, all the judge, the the, the two of the three judges are high up in the balconies. You can't really even see who they are. It turns out that the, the person who called the meeting was Justice Strauss. Now, she discovered the history uh, of Secret Organization's book that was in her library and read through it. And then she did some investigating and started following the kids and investigating Count Olaf and what he was actually up to. And she she wrote a large treatise of evidence and gathered all her evidence. And I can't remember what the acronym is Olaf, but I don't remember what it stands for. Um, I'm not sure if you um, remember off the top of your head or not. It's like odious life after, I don't remember. Like they're all just like long acronyms and, Like as much as I absolutely love this show, there are times when it's a bit too clever for me, and and by that I mean like the like the God, I don't want to have to pay attention to every little thing here. Come on, guys. Yeah. Give me give me some moments of stupid. And so, uh, but anyway, she brings the kids up. She has them testify, kind of explain what's going on, and uh, get the impression they basically recap the series for the audience. Yeah. Uh, and then she basically declares it's time for a verdict. But the kids stop her because they know that even though she believes them, and the reason she believes them is because she's gathered all this evidence, the other adults probably won't because the adults tend not to believe them. So they call Count Olaf, who's there in the hotel with Esme Squalor and Carmelita Spatz, uh, but not the hook-handed man. He leaves with his sister uh, in the orphans on the octopus submarine, which actually made me happy. Um, and Count Olaf basically points out, like, well, you guys have done all this bad stuff too. And points out to them, taken out of context, all the stuff that you've done is just as bad as a lot of the stuff I've done. So what you going to do? <laughs> Well, and 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 technically, even in context, it's. I mean, it was like self-preservation, but it wasn't exactly. Uh, it still didn't make it good. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So he, um, so it, it it ends up going to verdict, and the verdict is guilty, mostly because uh, the two other judges are beard and hair. The the man with the beard but no yeah. hair and the woman with the hair but no beard. Um, it turns out they're judges and uh, Justice Strauss has known them her entire life. Now, did it hit them at all uh, in the first couple episodes with, with when she was the prominent character uh, adult with, in your recent rewatch? Did you, did you uh, catch... What, what? Did it, did it hint at, at beard and hair at all in those first couple of episodes? I mean, I no. Know. It, it it mentioned it mentioned the other it mentioned the other judges um, there, but it, there there wasn't anything. That specifically wasn't anything much. Like it, it's 
the, the like the foreshadowing the way the way they handle it and one of the things you know now is actually a pretty good time to talk about the foreshadowing yeah um the way the foreshadowing works is it kind of does it almost in like these waves where it's like like there's a lot of times where they'll where you'll like it with the herpetologist one he starts talking about being a volunteer and how we're all volunteers yeah and the first time through it it doesn't register to you at all He's just talking, you know, like, oh, he's just talking about we're just going to do a thing for free or whatever. Yeah. But then the second time through, once you know that, it's like, oh, he's like, basically he's talking, like a lot of the times he's talking to the Baudelaire's as if they actually understand a lot more about the the VF, about the secret society than they actually do. Or understand anything about the uh, secret society. Uh, yeah, like there's like for the first for the first couple of stories, like that's kind of what happens whenever they're with somebody who actually knows something about these things. Is they're kind of talking as if they already know, and then they don't. Yeah, they the Baudelaire's decide to leave with Count Olaf. They're, they're basically, and this is one of the things that happens throughout the series. They're faced with the decision. They come to what they would call a crossroads, and they have to decide to go with A or B. And this time their decisions is go with Justice Strauss who promises them that she'll figure out a way to you know make it so they're not harshly punished or go with Olaf and uh, they end up going with Olaf Um, he goes to search for the sugar cup and it's revealed that the sugar cup isn't in the hotel but it actually is because uh, Quigley had a, a crow grab it and on route, the crow was shot down by Carmelita and Esme so yeah. they could turn it make it into crow sausage so they could make everyone eat crow <laughs> during the trial. <laughs> even though they had, even though like as Olaf and the, and the justice and, and beard and hair all point out, this is literally the perfect time to use the mycelium, kill off all of our enemies yeah. And then just sort of hang out from there. Yeah. But they're just like, we made you eat crow and it was really peppery. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, like, and, I, and of course that was kind of the throwaways. Goddamn you're like, cake sniffers. <laughs> you're, you're like, oh my God, they did poison everybody. Holy shit. And then, you yeah. know, they, they comment on it and they're like, poison? No, no, we wouldn't poison anyone. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well. Why would we do that? I want them to eat crow. <laughs> And they, <laughs> and they, uh, and everybody did eat crow sausages that had too much pepper in them. Apparently, uh, yes. When Count Olaf realizes that the sugar bowl is not there, and it is, it's it is somewhere in the hotel because it tumbles out of the sky and goes into a chute. This is another one of those scenes that was I learned from the books. In the book, it mm-hmm. tumbles into a chute that goes down into the library, uh, underneath the fountain. Oh. So. Uh, it's safe yeah. down there. Uh, it's a s- sort of hinted at that it ends up in the laundry room, which, but mm. it doesn't actually show where it ends up. It just shows it going into the um, vent. So who knows? Um, yeah. And uh, in his fit, in a fit of anger, Count Olaf burns the hotel down. And this is the best part. <laughs> this sort of, it, it, this is one of my favorite moments in the series. As they're going up to mm-hmm. the roof to get into the boat to to 
push it off and get into the ocean. They stop on every floor to warn people that the hotel's on fire because the fire starts <laughs> out in the basement. Yeah. And if they uh, if they believe the kids, they they don't do anything. They're just like uh, because there's like like oh the hotel's on fire. Well, I don't want to go over here. I don't want to go over here. So they just stop. <laughs> yeah. They either don't believe the kids or they believe the kids but are are paralyzed by indecision. <laughs> That's really the, the main two ones. I'm trying to remember because it showed him one more. Uh, but literally nobody wants to leave this hotel. <laughs> no one, no one cares. Like they, they don't acknowledge the fact that the hotel's on fire. And Justice Strauss tries to convince the kids to come with her. You know, she, they don't, they leave. And at the end of that yeah. episode, and it kind of breaks her. It's actually a really sad scene. It kind of breaks her. It 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 does. It's also where Lemony Snicket starts because he gets back to the hotel. That the, there's a moment right after they kill, they accidentally kill Dewey Denouement, where Lemony Snicket shows up in Kit's taxi and tries to get the kids to come with him. Uh yeah. And they they don't. And then they end up with the trial and stuff. Well, he shows back up after they've fled and the hotel's burning down and Justice Strauss gives him the photograph. Like he asked for it and he gives it to her because he wants to understand what happened here. And obviously that's the impetus for him to start his investigation into the Baudelaire children and find out what's going on. Um, yeah. The kids end up on an island after a storm with Olaf that has a bunch of shipwrecked people uh, and their leader is a guy named Ishmael who would like you to call him Ish. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody will call him Ish and he's he's like, why won't, it, why won't anybody call me Ish? And uh, it's revealed that he's the one who started VFD. He was the headmaster at uh, the reform school that they go to in the second season was Punctilio Academy. Something like that. Yeah, Bunktilio Academy. Yeah, and uh, which the, the, the this the show has a really good does a really good job of answering questions that you didn't realize you had, um, kind of after the fact. Yeah, he started by recruiting young young the the kids as parents and and uh, various guardians and stuff into this uh, society, and then the schism happened. And once the schism happened, he he tried to bring everyone back together, but gave up and left to go to this island. And it turns out that the Baudelaire's parents were on the island for a while. And uh, that's one of the reasons why he decides just to kill Count Olaf, because he recognizes Count Olaf. And uh, so he just puts him in a cage to drown when the tide comes in. But of course he gets away. There's a scene where uh, Count Olaf ends, ends up getting... He tries to pretend to be Kit, and she actually ends up washing on the island as well. And this entire time, he's had mm. the a sample of the the fungus in a helmet that he's and he's currently using that as his pregnant belly because Kit's pregnant. And yeah. Ishmael shoots him with a crossbow, or sorry, a harpoon gun, and it yeah. goes through the helmet and enters his abdomen, breaking open the helmet, releasing the fungus, and and giving everyone and <laughs> affecting everyone on the uh, island the mycelium. So the people on the island decide to leave. Once a year, the tide comes in high enough to get over the seawalls 
And so in an effort to save themselves, they all get on a boat and leave, which to me is like the most absurd fucking theme. Like they're days away from, from mainland. To me, it's like what, in what universe would they think that they could make it to shore in this little pontoon boat in time to heal themselves from the fungus? But you know, whatever. Uh, it's discovered. Uh, Kit reveals to them what's in the sugar bowl, and they find out that their parents had created a cure—not uh, a cure, like a complete, like an inoculation, an, like an, an immunization, an immunization to the fungus in apples yeah. in an apple tree that they have built a house in, and so they are actually saved. And it, this was. Yeah, they specifically mark that it is bitter, though. That the apples are bitter. The 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 sugar is bitter. Yeah. Because there's this whole line about the bitter fruit, which is pretty fantastic. And then there's all this apple and snake imagery. Like, it's... They really just, I mean, just nail, nail stuff. Um, So the Baudelaire's are able to save themselves. They're able to save Kit long enough for her to give birth, but she's so weak from the uh, poison that she still ends up dying. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Well, and th- yeah, there's also this, uh, th- there's also that point where you get the, uh, the implications about, um, Count Olaf and her that apparently they had, like, cause you see them kind of like being a thing, Yeah, but you don't quite get how deeply, it, how, how deep it went until those moments there. Yeah. You know that he had that he she pretty clearly had been the love of his life, which kind of explains the the level of just odd hesitation that you see in all of his other relationships. Yeah, all his other romantic relationships. There's like a, like the, that first those first little bits with Esme. Um, it's clear that you know she wants to do more than dance, and he's just like, I have no interest in you whatsoever. Let's just let's just dance so that you'll leave me alone. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's also the fact that. <laughs> Even though Count Olaf himself is sort of is a very horrible person, like all of his other relationships are with horrible people too. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I also like that you, you you always got the feeling that like Olaf was that when he was when he was doing good, yeah, he was good, and that if the sugar bowl hadn't been stolen, yeah, and been pulled into the whole Esme thing and all that there, um that he would have remained, you know, a the darker side of good, but he would have remained one of the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um the show ends very bittersweet. Um I don't want to this is another one of those things where I don't want I don't necessarily want to give the way the act, the final final ending mostly cuz it sort of ties things up nicely and there's a lot of threads to tie Kinda, up yeah. that we yeah. we didn't really but, touch on. Yeah. Um, but for for the mo- for the most part, they kind of just leave it up to your imagination to a certain extent. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and, like, they're, and they're, yeah. they're questions that they, are they just kinda, yeah, they, what happens next. Yeah. Uh, moving on, this is like I said, this is a this is a rough one to do the do a plot outline, but the the plot ties up so much from the previous seasons that it's it's that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to sort of go over. You almost need to do the entire series um, to really get the full effect. But tone, but you, if you're ready, let's go over tones and themes. 
because uh, we can touch on some of the more of the okay. for, foreshadowing. One of the big ones, and yeah, and the hook-handed man kind of gives this is uh, people aren't necessarily just good or just bad. They're they're people, and they do yeah. some sometimes do bad things, and they sometimes do good things, and and that's uh, mm. kind of where you have to kind of where you have to go. Um, and uh, there's also there's also something of like tied into that. There's kind of a a coming of age thing. Yes, but it, it's not the focus. Like I, w- I would never call this one a coming like a coming of age story. No, no, no. But there is a loss of innocence and a coming of age that distinctly happens to the Baudelaire's. Yes, even the even little Sonny, who <laughs> yeah, when the end he's like, we should burn this place to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> I like she like she's like. You're the you're the evil one now, right? You're the one that's going to turn evil in the next in the next series. Um. I like the I like the fact that uh, as the series progresses, of course, they use the same actress, little baby, for the entire series, but she still ends up being like th- three or three and a half, and I don't know how much she actually ages in the in the book in the novelization version of it, but <laughs> she's very much a toddler, although she. Uh, she still kind of speaks gibberish. I mean, you understand her now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's this idea that the people aren't good. They're not. They're not bad. And and it sort of shows that. And that that isn't the the theme for the entire series, but it's definitely the theme for this season. Yeah. It's very much what they kind of focus on, saying that basically people are complex. You can't. It's not. It's not necessarily yeah. fair to uh, pigeonhole them into into certain you know places well and i also realized that kind of reinforced that a little bit almost throughout because you know the 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 arsonist side of the 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 beard and hair side of the schism yeah he talks about how you know we have these big eagles and then the other side and then the other side has was it trained reptiles and crows um and and crows and if you look at all of the symbolism regarding those particular, like that, those particular groups of animals, the fact that the bad guys have the noble animal on their side, and then yeah. the, um, and then the like slimy, manipulative corpse, corpse pecking animals, yeah, arguably I love crows, and I mean I love everything about them, but like there, but all of those ones that have all of those different, that all of the literary connotations of being a negative thing. Yeah. Are there on the good guy's side? Yeah. Um, There's, there's, there is more of that complexity that shows up earlier on. It's just a lot more in the, in the symbology and in the, the sort of like tones and, and stuff there. Yeah. There's also a sense of safety versus justice. Uh, Several times throughout the series, I think safety versus justice could almost be, uh, theme for the entire series um but it really comes to light in this season because there are times when the when the uh when the Baudelaire's are presented with options where uh one would keep them safe but one would be the right thing to do or 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 give them you know the just end that they want that they desire and uh they have to make that choice and yeah, it's arguable that they make the right choices <laughs> in each instance. 
Um, because we don't we don't know. Like if they'd gone with Mister Pull instead of Kit and they got back to the beach, who knows what would have what would have happened at that point? Yeah, they they're almost out of Guardians at that point. If they had gone with Lemony instead of Justice Strauss, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. There's there's a number of different choices. If they had ended up going with Justice Strauss instead of Count Olaf, there's there's another yeah. one. I think they'd probably be in jail. They would have been. Yeah, I, th- I think they probably would have would have been in jail. The yeah, the justices were too deeply ingrained. Were kind of too deeply ingrained in everything. I agree. I agree. Uh, I also think that Olaf would have been killed like almost immediately upon ste- stepping foot on the island because Ishmael would have would have confronted him and killed him. Yeah. Uh, I think Kit would have... Because there wouldn't have been any witnesses. Yeah. I think Kit would have survived, but she would have never... She'd have been stuck yeah. on the island. She'd have been trapped, so... Yeah. Um, so it's one of those scenes where we're kind of jumping into, like, hypotheticals here, but... Uh, well, that's kind of what the what the end of this what the end of this one does yeah. is it just gives you hypotheticals. It says like here here's here's where the story stops. Yeah, it's not necessarily where it ends. It's true, but this is what this is what you're going to get, and it's all kind of it's that more leaves you just sort of sorted out in your imagination, which is something that doesn't happen all that often anymore. And I feel that we are the lesser for it. Yeah. And we're actually, I actually want to talk about theories here in a bit, but do you want to talk about uh, any more about the foreshadowing? Because I uh, can get any more details about that because you just watched it. So you see, a, you've, you've seen a lot of the foreshadowing as it actually played across all the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was, is there was all of these, all the talks about the, the, the volunteers, the, there's um th- there was this one amazing moment at the very beginning of the hospital one where Esme is talking about her time as the false spring queen. Um, yeah. Which is what Carmelita is doing with the snow troops at the very beginning of the season as she's going up to become the crown the, the false spring queen or the false spring queen as it were. Um yeah I mean it, it's 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 one where like I didn't take because it's sort of like just struck me how good it like how well it was there i didn't i didn't well that and i've been on a fair bit of pain meds um it's true i didn't write explicit um examples of of the of the the the, the foreshadowing it's just there was there was so much that was just so so well done i'm like even even I, i seem to remember some some little things in the first episode that that sort of hint at Olaf as um like hint at him as you know hint at, like some him saying something about his his father or something or or um yeah there's uh, or whatnot but there was just I I, I kind of remember what you're talking about there's a, a, a he has a comment about his dad uh, and being a disappointment uh and then kind of trailing off if I remember correctly um, yeah. I, I do know uh, from what I understand from what little of it I've read and I haven't read the, read the book so I don't know all the differences I do know a few things um, I do know that there were some major plot holes in the books that they sort of fixed with the series which kind of makes sense I mean they tapped Daniel Handler to sort of help with the, the scripting yeah. and stuff Yeah. 
Um, one of which was the Quagmire's fire house fire, uh, apparently burns down like a year and a half before the, the Baudelaire's in the books, uh, which really okay. runs into the problem when Quigley's introduced. Cause like one of the first things he does is he ends up at the Baudelaire's house. Um, and then yeah. slowly fo- follows in their steps. And so it's one of those scenes where what, what was he doing for a, for a year <laughs> before the Baudelaire's meet, meet his brother and sister. Just dicking around Europe, you know, it was yeah. just, he, uh, he went roundabout, uh, or went walkabout, he, uh, you know. Went, yeah. But in, in, yeah, but in the series, it just they, took a year to really find myself, you know. In the series, in the series, they, they have the, the fires happen not too far from each other uh, in time. Um, time is, yeah. and they, they also sort of play loose with the time, like, clearly uh time significant time has passed because sunny's grown up but they never give i also love how they kept making how they kept making like the the the, did these little fourth wall breaks well it was it was for they were almost like a it was almost like a side it was like a theatrical aside where you just sort of say something directly to the audience yes um so do you (laughs) you want to mention the cartoonish murder uh (laughs) The series is cartoonish, and a lot of the murders are cartoonish, uh, which makes them, yeah, a little like bit just more completely insane. But but it it creates this kind of kind of great um, counterpoint because there's like by making the violence so over the top, so cartoonish, so completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um like well like the fact where, you know, like Larry our waiter is thrown into a giant vat of curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boiled in a vat of curry. Like that's it's completely insane completely insane there. But it, it, it builds this 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 balance to the to this sort of like like the, the bitter notes that they're trying to build up with this whole with the, I mean like and really really as I think back on the foreshadowing, the entire from the first moment the show is fucking on, it's all about foreshadowing. Yeah. I mean, the fir- one, some, of, some of the first things that Lemony Snicket says is, you know, about how this isn't going to end well. Yeah. Now, that being you know, said. I mean, like, yeah. Well, I, I'll let you finish your thought because I want to put a pin in that point f- for us, for our conversation. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, there's the, so there, there's the, and so the cartoonish violence kind of copes with that, that almost oppressive, um, that almost oppressive feeling of, um, of dread about what's going, about dread about what's going to happen. And they make it clear, you know, like they tell you outright, like, you know, this, this, this person's going to die and this character's going to die and this character's going to die. Yeah. And so they let you like dread that. And it's not like the, oh man, I'm like, oh, I'm so angry that you told me that. It's that like, oh, how is that going to happen? Why is that going to happen? Yeah. That's why I'm suddenly engaged there. Yeah. Now, pulling out that pin, I haven't I haven't re-listened to the last episode, but I remember our conversation about mm-hmm. our theories well enough to know that we we had some theories about how things were going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were hopeful in the first and the second episode uh, of this podcast that deal with this series we were very hopeful that the kids would be reunited with their parents or a parental figure and uh end up living happy after all 
like incognito. Um, clearly, yeah. that is not how this series ends. <laughs> it's no, it doesn't end horribly for them necessarily. Well, it doesn't. It ends in a way that you don't actually know. Well, I would say the ending itself. And the only thing you really, I would, I would say yeah. the ending of, yeah. of, of its, itself is very much like those apples. It's very bittersweet. Yeah. Um, it's true. Which, which brings us. I, I just, I, I get the feeling that they're just adventure. That they've just been adventuring around forever. Which brings me to, they're... which brings me to theories. Which brings me to the theories. Now mm-hmm. we have, unless we are able to sit down and chat with Daniel Handler. Uh, we have no way to verify. I, they might, maybe they touch on some of this in some of the other books. I don't know, but I don't think there's any way for us to verify this. I don't think it, these questions have been answered. First question I have: What happened to the kids after they got left the island? I think they went back to the library, the VFD library, mm. because the hotel's burnt down. The library was built to survive a fire like that, uh, so it's just going to be a burnt, burned out husk. I think that once they got off the island, they went back to the library. Interesting. I think that they ended up running around doing a whole shitload of adventures. And then either one is... They were on the run or trying to find stuff out. I think they just lived a life of of crazy adventures. And you know what? There's a possibility that uh, we're both right. We could both be right because maybe they did the whole adventure thing for a while until they grew up to the point where they were no longer recognizable as themselves, and then they went yeah. back to the library. Yeah. Uh, did the man with a beard but no hair and the woman with hair but no beard survive the fire? I think they did. I think. They yeah, did. I would say almost certainly. Like, well, if, if anybody survived that fire at all, they did. Aside from Justice Strauss. Um, because they... Yeah, because she clearly survived. Like, is it I, the fact that well, the fact that one person survived the fire, I think means that they did. Yeah, the other major characters that show up throughout the series that were there on the, at the hotel, I'm gonna say most of them didn't survive. <laughs> like, I don't think Poe did. No, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think I think a vast majority of them all all burned but, to death. But Bert, Beard, Beard and Hair, I think they survived. Um, what did the Wintershin, Wintershins? the hook-handed man and Fiona, what did they do with all the orphans? I mean, did they just keep them running the submarine? They like, just what? started a slave ring. That's a even darker They became a twist than, than, uh, than before. Now, and the, the final question I have, uh, it's revealed that Quigley reunites with his brother and sister who thought that he was dead. Yeah. Uh, they are on this mm-hmm. floating caravan in the sky. Uh, motorhome in the sky and he reunites with them my question is what happened to the quag- quagmires what happens to them uh, I I think they float around in the mobile home until they become until they come of age because they don't have anybody hunting them the way the Baudelaire's do that's true so they just come of age get their I mean they, they, they can go and get their they can come of age get their fortune I mean just have Hector to take care of them until yeah until they're of age and then just Boom. Settle, settle down. And that you know, that leads me to the question because uh, Quigley and Violet sort of have a theme. They have, have a theme going on. Does Violet find yeah. Quigley and do they end up becoming a family? I don't know. This, this, is, this is one of those, and I assume the book's the same way. I, it has to be, uh, where all of these are unanswered questions are there and your imagination can just run wild with them. And that... 
I love it when a book does that or a, or, or a series, but I love it even more when it ends in such a way where it sort of wraps up everything nicely. And then you still have those. I wonder what happened to them after this. Like you can still sort of use your imagination to sort of experience, you know, the story after the story. So, um, was there any, was there any, uh, theories that you had? Was there anything that you threw out that wasn't on this? Um, wasn't on that. Um, I don't know. Like it's basically with, at the, at, at the end there, they either, um, don't answer at all. Yeah. Or they wrap everything up with a bow. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing with that end there. Is it, so it's like trying to say what the... And, that, and the nice thing is, is all the stuff they, they wrap up with the bow, they end very nicely, is all are all the questions that you had as the series progressed. Yeah. And then, the, the, the big questions, the ones that kind of kept you going. And all the questions that you have at the end are what if, what happened, what happens next sort of questions. So, um, well, uh, if you're ready, let's give her, give her final thoughts. If you, uh, feel the urge, the urge to, to pontificate. Yes. Um, this is a damn fine series. Yeah. Uh, not just, I mean, and more than that, I think this, this series is masterfully done. This was somebody's labor of love. Yeah. I think it was because in every aspect, I think it was Neil yeah. Patrick Harris's labor of love, to be honest. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I think, yeah, mo- absolutely. I'm thinking most likely that was, that was, that, that would be, that would be my, my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the show is absolutely a labor of love. It shows. And one of the things that I really liked about this whole piece is that everybody was enjoying themselves. All of the actors, yeah. I mean, they're running around and they're chewing on they're chewing on scenery like it's like 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 it's the only food they've ever they've ever seen in their lives. Chew, chewing on but, chewing on scenery like Hansel and Gretel at the witch's house. <laughs> yes, but that but like but the, but that's also the sort of thing that this needed like yeah. in order to balance like so you have that melodrama to balance out the melancholy um that also is hit with the with the sort of cartoonishness of it all yeah and so it's sort of like that's where the balance lies in this in this whole piece yeah and it's it's just like it i find it a piece of i find it kind of a piece of art to a certain extent I encourage you to watch the series. You know, sit down and watch it with your kids. The older kids uh, certainly will enjoy it. You'll probably enjoy it if you're a parent uh, or, you know, an uncle or a guardian or something. Um, even if you're not, you're gonna, you'll are probably enjoy it. And do what John did. Uh, I haven't done this yet, but do what John did. Watch it twice. Watch it all the way through once. Then about a week later, watch it through again. And you catch all the, all the foreshadowing that they did throughout the series. Because... It was put together really well. And I, I think it didn't hurt that they had the books to go off of. And then Daniel Handler could say like, uh, we should probably tweak this part a little bit because I really fubbed up when I put it in this, I didn't put it in this book or, you know, this moment is a plot hole that we should probably paste over. Um, 
from because like yeah. I say, from my understanding, the book has a few the book series has a few plot holes, and I'm sure mm. if you really picked this apart, you'd run into some plot holes as well. Uh, I didn't bother doing that. I don't usually look for plot holes. That's unless, not really our jam. Yeah, we sometimes we do. Sometimes we'll be like, "That's a massive plot hole." Like, what the hell? But it's usually got to be big enough to drive a trip Mack truck through for us to to point it out. Yeah. So, um, or or it has to have pissed me off somehow. Yeah. But definitely go watch it. It's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you should check it out for sure. Any last He's words? Good. He's good. Any last words for the listeners at? Uh, uh, coming right up, network, John. Look away, look away. All right, that's enough. We don't want to. I love, I still <laughs> love, still love the first, that first song, man. That, woof, yeah. that opening song, so good. It is very good. So good. I don't, I don't usually skip the credits on this series. Oh, hey, well, no, no. Well, that wraps this up. Relevant to Our Interests is hosted by John Pelliston and Frank Shaw. Produced and edited by Frank Shaw. The music arranged by Frank Shaw. Scripting by John Pelliston and Frank Shaw. Graphic design by Frank Shaw and Nathan Newell. You can contact us at relevanttoourinterests at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and what used to be Twitter. John and Frank are on many other social media platforms. Hit us up. You can listen to us everywhere you listen to podcasts. <laughs>